AthensAthens.com and the Athens Banner Herald. This is the Georgia Bulldogs podcast. Bulldogs Extra. Now, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. All right, welcome in to the Bulldogs Extra podcast from the Athens Banner Herald and online Athens. Ryan Dennis here alongside uh, Mark Weiser. Mark, fresh off the Super Bowl, uh, not much of a game though, was it? Uh, yeah, I think a guy named Tom Brady had something to do with that. Uh, but you know, it's always about the halftime show, and, and I know you're, you're a big weekend fan. So, so the, the, the well, not a meme. What do you call that thing? A gif, a gif of him uh, trying to find what was he doing? I, 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 I don't know. It's like a funhouse maze, isn't it? Is that what it was? Yeah, that's. Uh, well, it has it, become viral. Yeah. As, as he's trying to find his way out of whatever, and I know you used it the other day. What was that for? Uh, that's that's for the uh, the great Athens Banner Herald subscriptions that you could uh, get. Uh, th- that's in case of in, instead of hitting the paywall, uh, like you, you're going to get lost on, on in that uh, meme. Uh, you can just pay whatever that introductory rate. Oh, we have. there you go. Yeah. Oh, we got a heck of a deal right now. So uh, if you'd like to subscribe to our uh, online content, please do at onlineathens.com. Hey, Mark, guess who we got coming up later? Tom Hart, who will be calling the Georgia-Tennessee uh, game tonight, in fact. And we'll have a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff with Tom. And, uh, you know, if you're like me, you remember Tom back in the day as a, as a Braves uh, sideline reporter. Is that what you call a, a baseball guy? Uh, who uh, who chimes in? D- from dug, time to time. Dugout reporter? Yeah, maybe a dugout reporter. But Tom is a as uh, a jovial personality who I uh, look forward to to us talking to. He uh, always seems to lighten the mood at whatever he's calling. And uh, you know, hopefully for Bulldog fans tonight, that'll be a uh, Georgia victory over Tennessee. They got a little momentum right now. They do, but now they're playing a top fifteen Tennessee team. Uh, you know. And it's just the start. We'll talk about this a little bit later. The start of a rugged schedule in the next four games. I think I think Ryan just uh, improved my volume here in the studio. Um, Hear yourself a little better. We'll, we'll talk about that probably on the backside of uh, of our interview with, with Tom. Let's get back before we uh, we get to Tom. Uh, where do you rank that uh, Super Bowl halftime show compared to the others? I was half paying attention, but here's my thing, and I, I have a uh, a few gears to grind on this because. Every year, there's going to be one faction of our population that is moaning and groaning about the halftime show. And to me, it's like, it is what it is. It's a performer. It's like, you know, the Grammys or something. There's going to be performers you don't like there. Just grin and bear it. That's my thing. And, you know, I could care less if it's the Rolling Stones or the Weeknd or the Black Eyed Peas. I'm just watching it. Who cares? But, you know, there were some people that chimed in, of course, on uh, on Twitters and whatnot, saying it's the worst show ever. And, I mean... Who cares, right? What do you think? Uh, I like the the last uh, song with the uh, with uh, his dancers on the field. That was kind of uh, cool choreography, or whatever. Uh, I'll give Bruno Mars uh, as the best halftime show I can remember. Uh, See, I don't even. The, the only thing that comes to mind is like Aerosmith. Who did they join? It was like uh, was Runny DMC come out with Aerosmith or something a few years back and. But I mean, I wouldn't say it's good. It I know was you're just big, I know something you're, I remember. I know you're a big fear, uh, fan of the uh, Shakira, the uh, the risky dancing that she did. That uh, was kind of good. Always, you know, Georgia fans are always into Bob O'Reilly from The Who. How about when The Who played the 2010 oh, yeah. Super Bowl at, uh, at, at Miami? Do you remember the Justin Timberlake, uh, <laughs> Janet Jackson one? That was uh, memorable. Yeah, that that, uh, that got him in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> both of them. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, we will not talk about uh, the Super Bowl halftime show with Tom Hart, but let's uh, bring him on now. Talk SEC basketball and Georgia basketball. And Ron will probably sneak in uh, some Braves uh, baseball and uh, whatever else. Talk to you. Let's bring him on. All right, you might have seen him last night calling the Alabama-South Carolina game. He'll be on the call tonight for Georgia-Tennessee on ESPN2 at 8 p.m. with Jimmy Dykes. And then Saturday has Arkansas-Missouri. It's Tom Hart from the SEC Network and ESPN. Tom, thanks for uh, being with us. You know my schedule better than I do. I was just sitting here this morning <laughs> thinking, wait, what's my game on Saturday? And here we go, you know, Arkansas-Missouri. You, you know why? Because I, I get a, a weekly email from ESPN that tells me all the announcer lineup. So uh, I, I pulled that up. Missouri I would some... like to subscribe to that email. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's start with uh, what, what do you make of this SEC basketball season where the schedule has shifted and uh, Kentucky is 5-13, and 4-7 and seven in the SEC. Georgia, with a win tonight, will be 500 in SEC play. And Alabama's 11-1 and one SEC record sounds like something its football team would have at the end of uh, <laughs> going into an SEC championship game. Uh, what do you make of uh, kind of where we are more than midway through the season now? I think it's been fascinating. I wish, um, well, let's just put it this way. In a, in a non-pandemic world where let's assume that everyone would have the same Ken Palm rating and conference, good, uh, conference uh, record and all of that stuff, I wish we had a full non-conference season that built up to this and there were people in the stands because I think it would be absolutely enthralling to see what would be going on with the fans at Alabama and the reaction to Missouri's good start and their huge non-conference wins, what Nate Oates has going at Arkansas. Um, and I think it, at the other end of the spectrum, it would be absolutely fascinating to see how the fans would be reacting to Kentucky. Uh, I, I, I think these conference records are fair representations of where these programs are this season. But you have to look at it in a bubble, given everything that these coaches are having to deal with for the first time in their lives, in any of our lives. So um, I just I hate the fact that we don't have the proper buildup and we don't have the proper appreciation. And it kind of seems like we're just as a whole with college basketball, maybe running at 80 percent of capacity in terms of full appreciation for the sport and involvement from a a fan interest perspective, but if you if you play this out over the course of a normal season, what Alabama has accomplished and Kentucky's struggles, just as bookends within the league, would be, um, you know, they'd be once in a once in a decade, once in a generation stories as far as SEC basketball is concerned. Mm-hmm. I think as a whole this year, I mean, this is the first year since what sixty one, I think, that the blue bloods of Kansas and Kentucky and North Carolina and Duke are not in the top 25 uh, at at least some point, uh, um, you know, at this moment or whatever. But uh, as far as Kentucky goes, I mean, can they avoid that that 12-13 game in the SEC? Are they built to to make a little run here at some point? Well, it's funny you ask that question. I was just kind of going through the blueprint for Nashville, assuming it stays the same yesterday. And and John Calipari – is going to send a thank you note to Bruce Pearl because Auburn taking themselves out of the postseason could very likely be the one thing that keeps Kentucky from playing in that first night. Because since Auburn's not playing, we're down a team. There's only going to be one game on that Wednesday night. And Kentucky 
I think will will avoid playing. A and M and Bandy have struggled uh, to the point that I think, and I think it's going to be A and M Bandy and, and or South Carolina. Kentucky is just a, a a game off of that second to last place pace. Uh, I I think they probably avoid it. I don't see A and M avoiding it, but. Um, yeah, strange bedfellows indeed. Were, were Cal, thanks Pearl by saying, uh, you know, appreciate you keeping me out of the, the Wednesday night, um, not quite invited to the party game. Closer to home, you've had some Georgia basketball games, and then, as we mentioned, you're, you're uh, doing the game tonight. Your impressions of what they've done this season with this three-game winning streak heading into tonight, and, um, you know, just I know it was uh, – Undefeated non-conference, all, all home games, but they started 0-4, and, and, and then here they are now, I guess, at 5-6. and six. Wildly impressed with this three-game win streak. Um, at their worst, they're a team that has a hard time scoring the ball in the half court, and, and I think that we've seen that at times throughout conference play. I think we saw that a lot. Outside of the LSU loss, which was in the 90s, um, we saw them struggle to shoot the ball really well. We saw them struggle to have a go-to guy in the half court and and outside of, you know, a couple of kind of pretty random individual performances as well. Um, So the fact that not only have they won three in a row, but they've they've done it shooting the ball um, exceptionally well, I, I think has been been a great surprise you know it's it's still a young team and we've we fall in this habit uh late in the year midway through conference play where we try to fast forward everybody and and just because we've been watching them since you know november december we say oh that that's those are familiar faces or familiar names they're older than we think that's not really the case i mean uh, taking case in point Sabir wheeler here's a guy who's in his second season and and by the way he had the number one pick play next to him in the backcourt last year you know I don't think it's fair to rely on him to be a a scorer let alone a a shooter Um, it's fair to rely on him to distribute the basketball and knock down shots when he's open and um, take advantage of of opportunities to score but I don't think it's fair to rely on him as a scorer so you're seeing the development of this team um late in the year and that's common across college basketball is is seeing these teams come into their own a lot later than they normally would simply because you know they had limited court time over the course of the summer and in the fall and then you scrap exhibition games you scrap um preseason matchups you scrap a number of non-conference games and then there's on top of that obviously interruptions across the board so it's a lot more common this year to see a team kind of find its identity in February when typically that's something that was happening uh, or had happened by Christmas in most scenarios. Well, these Bulldogs, I mean, they're going to have to grow up in a hurry in these next four. I think it's uh, t- at Tennessee, at Alabama, then Missouri at home, and then at Florida. I mean, after this three-game winning streak, here's a chance that, uh, you know, it could, it could go south in a hurry. But where's the best chance that the Bulldogs can get a win in that stretch right there? Um. I think from a matchup perspective, you know, Tennessee is an interesting possibility because Tennessee has a team. Okay, so what do we know about the teams right now if we take a snapshot? Georgia's scoring the ball. uh, Tennessee isn't. And Tennessee, when they're not playing well, they they have a really hard time. 
scoring the ball in the half court. They're a great defensive team, and, and that has continued. And they're still, I think Ken Palm's got them number one in the country in, in defensive efficiency. Um, but they lost to Ole Miss uh, last week, and they put, they put 50 points on the board. Um, they scored 56 against Mississippi State. Uh, they scored 68 against a very, you know, average defensive Texas A&M team. So they have a hard time uh, in the half court. Their veterans, I, I don't think, have produced like Rick Barnes wants them to, especially inside with Fulkerson and Pons. Um, they're just not not producing like they were expected to. Tom, you, like most of your ESPN, SEC Network colleagues, are calling games uh, from home for the most part. What is that experience like? I think I, I saw something about you losing power during one of your broadcasts this season. And uh, have there been any other close calls, like an Amazon delivery guy ringing a bell during a broadcast or something? <laughs> Mark, it's, it's, it's miserable. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to look on the bright side of life. I'm so thankful that we have games and that I have work and that, um, you know, we're able to – do our best to, to bring the games to, to fans at home. Um, I have a pretty thick skin when it comes to social media, but it, it is not uncommon. In fact, it, it just about every game on Twitter, it's uh, why won't you tell me who the foul was on or who scored the bucket? And I want to scream at like, hey, buddy, if I knew, I would tell you. I'm watching from home just like you. Um, so there, there are some frustrations, I think, involved with it. I, I just, the what I miss um, outside of being able to do my job to the best of my ability, which is important to me, uh, I miss being in the being in the arena. I miss shoot arounds. Mm-hmm. I miss spending time with coaches and getting face to face with players and learning what makes people tick. And luckily for me, I have those relationships with coaches where it's you know you can still get good information and have meaningful conversations over Zoom. But as we all know in this era, it's, it's just there's no uh, replacement for being face to face with somebody, and as we all know, the turnover rate in college basketball. New faces have come along, and these are guys that I've never met and never talked to, and never had an opportunity to kind of figure out who they are um, off the court, let alone on the court. So, yeah, I had a I had a game, a football game, Kentucky at Mississippi State on a Saturday night, where my power went out for a brief moment in the first half. I got it back up and running, logged back onto the Zoom call as quickly as I could. And then in the second half, my home alarm system went off. And we had just recently moved into this house. We didn't have the code. We couldn't get it to stop. Who knew that home alarm systems, by the way, who knew that people didn't work there on the weekend? Because we couldn't get a hold of anybody on a Saturday night. And uh, it cost me about 15 minutes of game action. That's the bad news. The good news is it was Kentucky, Mississippi State. I think I missed three punts and a fumble. At least, uh, you know. At least, uh, if you were getting burgled, uh, I guess you weren't. You weren't too safe if they if they're not open on the, on the weekend. Hey, did you see the? Um, yeah. <laughs> did you see the cat uh, thing that went viral on 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 Twitter yesterday with the lawyer that had the filter of the cat? I did. I did. Those, you need to, you need to come on like were, that tonight. Those eyes were... <laughs> ah, yeah, I'd be wondering. Jimmy Dykes would not know what was going on if I came on his cat face. <laughs> that, would, that would be. Hey, it looked like last night you had what Chiefs in the background. Is that Knoxville Smokies you have on the on the shelf behind you? Uh, what, what yeah, you got? yeah. Are you still a little hungover from the from the Super Bowl the other day? 
Well, no, because I quit watching. I swear to you, I've never done this before. But uh, Well, first of all, in the third quarter, my son fell asleep on the couch. I was working on my basketball charts. And then before the fourth quarter started, I, honest to goodness, started cleaning out my closet. <laughs> I was just, that was the most disheartening and at the same time uninteresting Super Bowl I've ever seen. Just bad football, uh, bad execution, not not much fun from my perspective. Yeah, I got a bunch of random stuff up there. I've got um, – I'm not, I'm not in front of it right now, but I got a couple Braves things back there, a picture of me and Jason Hayward from back in the day. And, uh, got an Alabama basketball hard hat, which makes no sense. <laughs> but, you know, NATO doesn't always make sense. Uh, I got a – Oregon, Texas, and um, Utah football helmets. I got some Missouri stuff up there, my Chiefs house. Just a, a hodgepodge of stuff. I didn't spend much time. It's funny. I, I look around when all the basketball guys came online at ESPN. I look at their backgrounds, and the, it's like they had professionals put it together. I threw this stuff up in, in a corner of my basement where we keep all the kids' board games in June to do Korean baseball at 5 a.m. I promise you there wasn't a lot of thought put to it. I just I just threw some stuff on a shelf and made sure that the picture frame wasn't crooked. Uh, maybe I need to put a little bit more effort into it to keep up with the Joneses. Believe it or not, that was my next question, which was about the Korean baseball. Did you uh, pick up some uh, new fans during all that? And uh, how many alarms did you have to set uh, to, to catch those 5 a.m. games? I I'm telling you, I had especially my first day, I had five different alarms set. Um, and I, I accomplished something that I had no goal to accomplish. I didn't realize it. But if you if you couple Korean baseball, which started, and we had a couple different start times. A funny story about that, by the way, late in the season, there was a massive panic from the head office in Bristol, Connecticut, when we realized that South Korea doesn't, honor um they don't honor the time shift daylight savings uh -huh. so now all of a sudden i think our game started at 5 30 on a weekday i've tried to block all that off <laughs> now all of a sudden those games are starting an hour earlier so you can imagine the panic when the schedule came out and they they quickly sent it back i said oh no everyone's getting up an hour earlier now these <laughs> days to do it um I, I we did pick up some more international fans, which was pretty random, and it was good practice for doing the rest of these games from home. But I tell you what, I became an expert at. Um, well, the first game, I showed up in my basement at about four o'clock in the morning, and we got logged in and ready to go. And the and the picture finally came up as we were waiting for starting lineups to come across, which usually we usually got those about an hour before the game. And if, Anybody out there who's ever called baseball before, you realize like, the, the most important thing is getting the lineup because you, you can't start the game unless your book is full. And you can't do the book unless you are con confirmed that that's the starting lineup. So about an hour before game time, we finally get it. And I'm filling out my lineup frantically. And I look up and I notice the tarps on the field. And about like the moment I finished my lineup in my book, uh, the producer says, hey, game's rained out. I said, oh, okay. It says, so we're going to shift to this other game. Oh, man. And 45 minutes before, now we're doing – I mean, I don't know who any of these guys are to begin with <laughs> in the other game, let alone my first game. So I frantically fill out, fill out the lineup card for that one. 30 minutes after that, he goes, hey, good news. This game's rained out too. Hey. So I went back to bed. I got rained out of four games in the first two days, and it took me that amount of time to become an – 
expert on the <laughs> weather patterns over the Sea of Japan because I quickly learned that if you could – and for some reason, it's hard to get weather radar footage from China. Go figure that one out. But – it just kind of appears over the bay, and I can see it coming. And I would, I would go to bed at night, ten, eleven o'clock, and the last thing I would do was check the weather forecast for Seoul or Daegu or Incheon, and um, and I would know at that point the odds of us getting the game in or not, which which also played into how many alarms I would set for the next morning. Did you kind of have your fingers crossed that it would get rained out, or were you up and ready to go? One thousand, <laughs> no, one thousand percent. One. There is, by the way, there is one dome stadium in the Korean baseball organization, and as far as I can tell, we didn't have a single game from that stadium all season long. So we were always uh, victims, or at least, you know, (laughs) partially victims of the weather. I hear you. Uh, people like me will remember you with the Braves, uh, you know, in, in your little stretch there. What, what was that time like, and uh, how did you kind of end up down uh, toward Atlanta in, in that gig with, uh, what was it, Fox Sports, I believe? Yeah, um, well, we were living in, in Knoxville. Um, I was calling minor league baseball there, and then, and then got my toe into the TV waters and started getting more opportunities. And, and finally, um, I had – I think I had a weekend where I had a Stanford baseball game on a Saturday, a Stanford softball game on a Sunday, and then I caught the red eye to fly back to Knoxville to do a Southern League baseball game, which was a day game on a Monday, and I showed up and I thought, well, this isn't worth it. <laughs> so we, uh, my wife and I decided we probably could move on from the minors and shut that down, and she happened to get a job in Atlanta. So it made sense, and, and a couple years later ended up on the Braves coverage, it was interesting. I was just asked recently about, um, you know, where have I worked or what experience have I had with teams that were were really family-friendly and run the right way? And I, I said, well, it's not fair for me to answer that question for stadiums or teams that you just kind of parachute in and you spend a day there or a series, whatever. But I was able to answer it in regard to the Braves because one of my uh, – one of the – gigs that I did when I was covering the team is I wanted to get in a kayak and go into McCovey Cove. So I did that for the finale of a, of a Giants series. And we got back to town the next uh, the next homestand, and I ran into Hall of Famer John Sherholtz in the press box, mm-hmm. and he was so excited to talk about McCovey Cove. And he wanted to know where did I rent the kayak and how far was the marina and was, you know, uh, what route did I take to get to McCovey Cove and and what were the guys like out there and and could I see the game from there and what were the sounds like? Were there any big ships in the area? And he was so excited about all of this. And I'm thinking to myself, here's this Hall of Famer who runs this organization, who won a world championship with the Royals in 1985, and he wants to know about my kayak trip. But then at the end, I answered all of his questions, and he said, "He said, well, that's really neat, Tom, but i got to say I was very concerned. I noticed that you weren't wearing a life jacket. <laughs> and I thought, you know, of all the things, the, the Braves are maybe the only organization where the president says, let's make sure we're safe out there. I was, I was worried about you watching the game because I didn't want you to get wet. That's nice. Was there a splash landing while you were, uh, while you were out there? Uh, there was. I had no chance to get to it. No, I mean, those guys are pros. You didn't have your net or anything like those uh, others. No, I didn't have my net. I had a, I had a uh, khakis and a polo, 
and I was covered in salt water in my, my ankles once I got on the charter flight to fly to wherever we are going next. So I, I was not very well prepared. And no life jacket, of course. And no life. Well, I, no, I had one. I had, you had to take it when you took the kayak. When I rented the kayak, but I had it. I had it shoved inside the kayak down by my feet. Which, by the way, was all my where all my electronic equipment was too. So not to, I'm not the brightest bulb. Like that could have been disastrous with just one tip. All right, Tom. One more, and we'll get you out of here on on this one. Obviously. Uh... A funny moment last year with with Andy Kennedy and the uh, and the let, let's just say he uh, he was supposed to say Ron Burgundy and uh, he 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 didn't and it <laughs> made it made its viral rounds on, on YouTube but uh, you know he handled it well you handled it well but is there a moment where you think of where you said something kind of like that and you just went oh gosh I'm gonna hear about this one oh yeah I've had a I've had a lot of those. Um, uh, I don't know which ones I could share right here. Uh, this, you know, off air, I I could tell you a couple of. Them. I, I'm trying to think of the best example of one. It's funny how the how the malaprops like how they germinate inside your brain. I was doing a uh, Utah Valley State and Kentucky basketball game last year, and and was sitting next to Andy Kennedy. So of course he made it worse when I misspoke. But we'd spent time the night before with a guy by the name of Slice Warson, who's a uh, who's famous and infamous at the same time in college basketball circles. He was an assistant at Kentucky for a little bit, uh, but he's mainly a guy, from, you know, known as a guy from the Northeast. He's got a heavy Italian accent. He wears suits everywhere he goes, and uh, we'd spent a lot of time with him the night before. So I kind of had this Italian persona stuck in the in the back of my brain, and Utah Valley was in its first or second year in the whack. So Utah Valley had an early lead on Kentucky, and as we were going to break, I, I meant to say some combination of either they're trying to knock off Kentucky or they're trying to whack them. But instead, because, you know, I had like a, a mafioso movie in the back of my head, oh, they're going to try to whack Kentucky because I'm thinking of slice the whole time. Well, instead, I combined those two words, um, knock off and, and whack and take out the knock and put in the whack and that's what I said going to break and oh, I thought Andy Kennedy was going to have a corollary uh, oh. <laughs> luckily luckily we we're going we we're going to break and uh, we didn't we didn't have to we didn't have to worry about it or answer it but yeah let me tell you the Kentucky fans were quick to clip that thing and put it online <laughs> All right, Tom, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I guess fans can uh, watch tonight, listen, and see if you have a smooth delivery, no uh, no incidents yeah, like that. Come on come on as a cat, please. Do it for us. <laughs> <laughs> if I could find a way to get that filter, there's no doubt I would do it. All right, Tom, thanks. We really appreciate you joining us. All right, gang, have, have a good one. Be good. All right, we thank Tom Hart of the SEC Network and ESPN for uh, joining us, and uh, Ryan uh, for throwing in some questions about the latest uh, hot meme out there. Or uh, that wasn't a meme, was it? What was the cat deal there? Yeah, was... It was just a video of a lawyer. Right, that, right, I saw, uh, I saw, yeah, yeah, that was that's pretty funny, man. Uh, 
he he couldn't figure out how to get the filter off and he was representing the funniest thing was the guy he was representing to me is in the top and you know he's got to be couldn't thinking couldn't he just like hang up and call back or something I, I don't know but the guy up top had to be thinking my bleeping lawyer is on here as a cat and can't figure it out that's probably not a good sign for me alright we asked Tom and uh, let's let's kind of dive in a little bit on, on this uh, thing with this four game stretch starting tonight uh, and we'll get to Georgia football because I know that's what most of you want to hear about uh, but uh, you know Tennessee at Alabama, home against Missouri, and uh, at Florida. And I know Tom Crean and the Bulldogs take it one game at a time, but we don't have to because we're not on the team. Right. Um, what would be a – do you think just getting one win out of this would be, uh, yeah, be an achievement? Test. Do you think getting two would be a, a major victory? Uh, you know, I, I mean, what's realistic? Do you think that – I mean, I, I think you want to – I think you can steal one of these four, then you'll end up getting. Uh, you'll, let's see, you're five and six now, so you'll be six and nine, and then you'll have a chance to still have Texas A&M. Well, I think, yeah, I think what we've seen with this team is that momentum is is key, right? And so they're riding some now. In South Carolina, still yeah, at home, uh, who we know wasn't a pretty outing at yeah, South Carolina. Yeah. But you know, this team is all about riding momentum. It seems, but it seems like as soon as that stopped, so is you know, it's downhill quickly. So if you can go into Tennessee tonight and get a win, you know, who knows what that could do for the for the next. But yeah, I think winning two out of three of these, I think the best would be at home against Missouri. Though Missouri's look good. They put it to Alabama pretty good for the most part the other night. Now I'm curious to see what the point spread is tonight. Which I'm going to guess like uh, nine or something. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Let me see. But, you know, Tennessee hadn't exactly been inspiring by the way they played. No, they, they, they came back to beat Kentucky at home. Oh, actually, uh, in uh, at Rupp Arena mm-hmm. on, on Saturday. But, I mean, we know that's not the best Kentucky team that's ever taken the floor. So, I, I no, just, it's it's the worst. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's a very bad team. All right, let me see here. It's eight o'clock tip tonight. Uh, hold on, as I scroll through this uh, Bet MGM uh, website to see the uh, point spread tonight. Here we go. Oh, I was I was a little bit off. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised, maybe. It's Tennessee by twelve and a half. Hmm. Yeah, that does seem. What are they ranked? Eleventh, tenth, maybe? Uh, and and they might have bumped up. Might be fifteen. I don't. I don't have. Have they dropped that far? Huh. But anyway. That I don't know. That sounds right. Georgia. When was the last time Georgia? I, I remember them going into Tennessee, but and, and winning. But they usually struggle there. It, it's usually. A well, I don't know if you heard this, but there's not really packed arenas anymore. I mean, they're one of packed arena at South Carolina. We know how that one turned out. Hey, they took um, took LSU to overtime, didn't they? Or was it Arkansas? No, so LSU. did Georgia? <laughs> yeah. So, no, I'm saying Georgia took LSU to overtime. Oh, oh yeah. I thought you meant. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but I mean LSU. I mean, who, who knows? Uh, again, this Georgia team. Getting back to your original question, I mean, at Alabama, that doesn't seem like a, a really good uh, possibility of winning, especially the way that. Alabama can shoot the lights out, and when they're on, it's uh, it's a hard team to defend. And you know, as Tom mentioned, Georgia has been shooting the ball better, but they can't, they don't have what it takes to keep up with it with an Alabama streaky PJ Horn. If he can continue to hit the threes, I mean, Severe is doing a, a, an incredible job of driving the lane and then just kicking it out to to Horn or whoever else. And um, you know, you would think that Katie Johnson can kind of flip out of his. He's kind of been in a in a slump lately. I would yeah. say. I mean, it's I mean, even when he hit, when he hits double digits, it seems like he gets some late or something I, I don't know he's he, you know he definitely came on the scene with a couple of really strong games to start with but yeah I, I think uh, you know that South Carolina game he was struggling with turnovers and uh, led to easy baskets and I don't know if that deflated his uh, confidence a little bit or R- Ryan who, who's your favorite walk-on uh, basketball player in the college basketball I'm gonna have to think hard but um, maybe uh, probably Jackson Netter you know that guy that plays for, for Georgia 
Jackson Eder, you know, folks like a walk-on, whether it's... Uh, it's, a, it's a good story, always. Whether it's Rodrigo Blankenship, mm-hmm. whether it's Prather Hudson. Give me some other walk-ons. Trey Battle, was he a walk-on? He might have been a walk-on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you think back in the uh, old days of, of Georgia basketball. Aaron Davis? Yeah, he was a walk-on, wasn't he? Yeah. Ended up being a heck of a cornerback there. But you think about what wasn't uh, like a Kevin Brophy, you know, uh, rest in peace. Uh, he uh, he was a walk-on back in the day. It seems like there was some other – Trey Battle did walk on. As some I, other as, guys. As I remembered, yeah. uh, as I Googled. Um, and, and they were always, you know, it's it's almost like uh, going back to my days in high school when I was, uh, you know, the, the last guy off the bench in the last minutes of the game. If you made a basket, everybody was going crazy for you, you know, because you're you're sorry. <laughs> you're supposed to be bad, but Jackson Etter has come in and has proven that hey, he was a he was a pretty good high school basketball player, and given the chance, he's gonna maybe uh, yeah, I mean, take advantage of it. Oh, he'll body up uh, these uh, these flashing guards, and you know, I think he had four fouls the other day in 15 minutes, but um, you know, play a physical brand of basketball and help out uh, Severe. Uh, you know, lighten the load on him, and I think he made all three of and those heck, shots. I mean, who would have expected them to put him on Sharif Cooper at Auburn? Uh, who else? They, they had him. I mean, they, they've had him on Scotty some, Pippen Jr. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, he was averaging what twenty two a game, and 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 Jackson. I mean, it wasn't all Jackson, but he uh, he did his part when he when he came in. But what, speaking of walk ons, what about the uh, guy that uh, you know probably won the Peach Bowl for you, Jack Podlesny? Oh, yeah. Well, kickers, you know, I think kickers are an exception, right, when it comes to walk-on yeah. because you're not handing out uh, you're not handing out kicker scholarships, oh, although Jared Zirkel is, and he... Uh, he uh, Andy Bailey. Uh, oh, gosh, now we're going back a ways. But, it, you know, it seems like, you know, kickers are, are ones that, you know, you, almost a dime a dozen. I don't want to disrespect any kickers out there, but, you know, you can have... You can have campus tryouts with 30,000 students and, and find somebody that can get the job done, I would think. Ryan, uh, the Football Operations Center, I'm sure you've seen it. Hey, uh, I rode by that yesterday, by the I way. There's lights on in there. Well, I mean, you, if, if you're going to be, if you're almost completing the building, uh, you're a few well, months away. I know. I figured they'd have a you gotta ceremony. Sure, you got to make sure the lights are on. And they were. And and because I did a double take as I passed yesterday, I said, is that the uh, is that the football practice facility? And I said, oh, no, that's the new, mm-hmm. that's the new uh, whatever it's football called. Football operations yeah, center. Yeah, football operations center. There'll, be, there'll probably be, a, be an office in there for uh, analyst Will Muschamp. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, that's part of the reason that it was kind of justified for Look, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the arms race. It's that, I mean, South, Muschamp just came from a South Carolina program that had a beautiful football operations center. I was there in it last February, and it's very impressive. And I'm sure Muschamp can probably, you know, tell Kirby, you know, even though the building's almost done, you know, about his building, because I don't, I, don't, I don't gather that Kirby's been inside that building, but maybe I'm sure Josh Brooks probably, when he was overseeing facilities, maybe he has colleagues in South Carolina that showed him around that. Auburn is now uh, uh, in, in the works, is, is a, a similar type facility. Georgia's an $80 million facility. Florida also uh, doing the same. I mean, it's keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, wh- what's next for Georgia after this football project? Uh, is it improving the Sanford Stadium experience for fans, or does it 
kind of factor back to more what what else can we do to keep impressing recruits? Exactly, I think so. Well, what else if, can they do? Kirby, I mean, beyond I beyond winning the championships, I, I don't know. Kirby will come up with it though, you know. And I don't, you know, what you think about what what would a what would a recruit like? Do they build a uh, do they build a a football only dining facility right there. Or well, they, they that, do have a dining area in the uh, right. the new building, but it, it's not. Uh, but I mean, I think the kids still are going to like the East Campus Village to eat, to eat food. Uh, so, do you build that over there? It's just solely for the. No, football. I mean, I think if that was going to be in the works, they would have done that in this. Pro- I mean, this is this is not even opened yet, so they, they would have had that. There is going to be uh, a dining area, um, and and they do have a guy that's a chef on staff that's already been there, but you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily replacing the dining halls. It's probably supplementing it, and and they they bring a lot of food in from, you know, hmm. I mean, you've been around Buttsmere enough where, where you're leaving, and there's uh, a food truck outside. Uh, w- Cooking w- ribs on a big yeah, grill out yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good stuff, but I don't know. I mean, do you think that there's a way to add to the football practice fields because they're you know what are they down to two now because the the building has taken over where the kickers would always kind of kind of work i mean do they expand that somehow I, I don't know do they turn to other other sports you know i mean are they saying okay enough with this we need to transition well, over I mean, to foley field say expand it I mean, sure. There, there's there's other facilities. Uh, I mean, uh, the, there could be a, a new track, uh, maybe out on uh, on Millage. Now they've that, been talking about all the time moving things out to Millage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the tennis facility is going to have that six six court uh, indoor deal in time for the twenty twenty six championships. Um, you know, so I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. Does golf need anything? They're they're probably good. Yeah, they got a quite. I, they know, just built them a new clubhouse. I, I, I mean, Stegman. They did have improvements over there, but I'm sure uh, there could be stuff like, hey, you know, I don't know where the recruits exactly go when they're there, but that area down uh, near the press area, um, you know, even the area down there for the boosters. I mean, that's not the most lavish uh, hallway over there. If you know what I'm talking about. Where are we talking about? You know where the, where the media is down there. Uh, you know, and there's a bathroom down there, and it's just it's uh, not. It's I mean, you, you go to places like uh, you know even you know Kentucky for football. I mean, it's it's pretty lavish compared. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, that could use a little bit of an upgrade. Yeah, but heck, we hadn't been in there in a while, and who knows when we're going back. So that might be. Uh, I think when it comes down to it what Kirby wants Kirby gets it's still going to be the motto you know if he says you know what let's put the uh let's put the baseball facility expansion on hold because we need a uh we need a Chuck E. Cheese inside of the the thing so so the football players can play games and, and eat pizza they'd be like yeah sure Chuck E. Cheese here it is oh, I'm sure they'll have some bells and whistles like that I mean I, would, I mean you think about Clemson what did they add a couple years ago that was you know there's wowing sl- the there's a slide there's a mini golf course um Things like that. Hey, before we uh, we get out, let's see. How much? How long have we been doing this podcast? Yeah, we're at about thirty-five minutes. All right. Let's. One final thing I wanted to mention, which was, uh, you might have heard uh, that uh, Notre Dame will be playing Florida in twenty thirty-one and twenty thirty-two. Uh, kind of, you know, everybody is adding uh, Power Five opponents uh, and beefing up their schedule. Uh, Georgia's already playing the likes of Texas, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Florida State. They already had UCLA on the schedule. Um, who am I missing? Ohio State. We'll open up with Clemson next year. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clemson. Yeah, there's there's multiple games with Clemson coming up. Uh, I think we've done this before, but let's reset it. Let's reboot it. Uh, here are my list of games that I'm still uh, wanting Georgia to play uh, to line up. And, and you know, if, if you try to brainstorm and think about it, there's really not that many. I mean, we just mentioned all those Power 5 programs 
that uh, that Georgia has. I mean, they've already kind of nailed it with all the wish lists that you would want. Uh, but I still got a couple. How about uh, Happy Valley uh, going up there? Now, you know, a lot of times you think, well, how does this help us in recruiting? I'm not sure that Georgia's – they did get DeAndre Swift out of Pennsylvania. They got Mark Webb. Um, you know, obviously – No, a, Sean out of New Jersey. Right. Yeah, that was, you're talking about, you know, that's a good, yeah, good, while, good while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went up there. I visited with uh, Nushan's grandmother back in the day. Nice. Um, and uh, Isaiah Wilson out of Brooklyn. All right, here we go. I went Penn State. Uh, Michigan was supposed to happen. I was thinking, I, I mean, has Georgia ever played in the big house up there? Yeah. Uh, Vince Dooley did in the in the yeah. uh, 60s. Nice. Um, and then Georgia was supposed to play Michigan. Um, and then when Urban came, it, it uh, got canceled or, mm-hmm. you know, they backed out of it. Uh, how about North Carolina, which, uh, you know, Georgia has played and how about, you know, a game in Chapel Hill? It's a beautiful setting for a game. Yeah. I, what's the facility? I mean, is it a, it's, I, I feel like that would be like two thirds Georgia fans going up there, if not more. It's like, think about Georgia tech in terms of size. I yeah. think it's like in the 55, 60 range, maybe. I don't know. I mean, but that's a program that was just in a, in a uh, BCS, not a BCS, a New Year's Six Bowl game. I mean, Matt Brown's got that thing cranked up uh, yeah. a lot more than yeah. it, it has been. Um, University of Washington, how about cool. that? And, and we didn't no. mention, we didn't we didn't mention Oregon. Georgia's playing Oregon in the in the kickoff game. Right. You think of the logistics of getting to to Washington. That that seems like it would be do it around an off week. Yeah. Open the season and watch. Yeah, you I would, I would you think that. about all the uh, the the groaning and all that came with the trip to Arizona State back about what twelve years ago. That's true. I mean, that was not that didn't make That's people true. happy. And 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 it wasn't fun to fly back. I mean, it was fun given the fact that, that what the stakes were, but mm-hmm. it was a quick turnaround time to get back from Pasadena for the Rose Bowl, then play uh, Alabama in the uh, national championship game, mm-hmm. flying across country, and then uh, games that wouldn't necessarily be close but could be fun. Army. Navy, and then uh, going really old school, the Battle of the Bulldogs, Yale. Would Georgia play there? Or, or that would not be a home. Hey, nineteen twenty nine. That would be the uh, one hundred year anniversary 20, in, in Sanford. Twenty twenty nine. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So now, I mean, I'd have to look at the schedule. I, I don't know if Yale is, is playing any like you know power five conference teams. Uh, yeah. yeah. They're smarter than that. Yeah. But uh, Army or Navy, look, I know Georgia doesn't, I mean, they were happy that Georgia Tech uh, no longer was triple option yeah. and uh, you know, you don't see Georgia Southern on the schedule. I mean, that's not a fun thing to, to, uh, you know, prepare for the, the triple option. But, you know, I think, I think that the pageantry of playing an Army or Navy would be great. I didn't hear you mention Ohio State. Now that was another game. That Georgia, felt- Georgia is playing Ohio State. Okay. Okay. Uh, right. But that was a game that, that fell through, uh, what, about, Ten years ago, oh, maybe that's the one I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah, I'm just confused. What was I they talking? Ha- about? They hadn't. Yeah, what was I talking about? Michigan was not. Uh, <laughs> it was Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah, Urban was not at Michigan. What was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that would be a game. That would be an interesting home and home. Maybe uh, it is a home and home though. I'm saying it's scheduled already. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's not. We don't need to. We don't need to make that a wish list. That's going to happen. I, I got you. I got you. Uh, they're playing in 2030, and. Uh, What's the other game? It must be 2031. Well, you know, those things got, got so confusing. Yeah, 2030 and 31. Because then, uh, there's another Clemson series set up for, what, 31 and 34 or something like that. And I don't mm-hmm. want to mislead people. But those things, are they're hard to, deal, uh, to, to keep up with. And, and you're kind of uncertain if they'll develop. You know, you've seen so many fall through the cracks. You hope they do. And, and, and Georgia goes out to UCLA in, what, 26? Uh, 2025. And then... Or 
Yeah, I think it's 2025. Exactly. It's hard to keep I think it's, I think it's 25. But that's going to be another logistical uh, maybe nightmare. But they probably will schedule that with an off week behind it, I would imagine. I mean, in, in the state of that program, it's, you know, it's yeah. even less attractive matchup in terms of, you Is know, Chip still there? Is who? Chip Kelly. Oh. I mean, uh, for now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's probably got to do some things in the next year uh, yeah, or better. two. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, let's get out of here on that. We'll talk to you all next week and enjoy. Hey, a uh, little, little happy Valentine's Day for the readers. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, listeners. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll send them a card. Everybody that listens. All right, everybody, uh, enjoy uh, your rest of your week. And uh, again, thanks, Tom Hart, for joining us. We'll talk to you all later. See you guys.